Welcome to the Hansa Conversations, where we discuss some ideas behind the Hansa therapeutic philosophy and other ideas around therapy, movement, and yoga practices as they relate to life in general. We welcome you, and we hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, everybody. Um, welcome back. We are now in season two of Hansa Conversations. This is me, Meta, from Hansa Indonesia, and as before, um, there's the founder and director of Hansa, Vincent Boera, on the other side. Um, but this season, we are doing things slightly differently. We are inviting different people from around the world to become guests into this Hansa conversation to just enrich the conversation a little bit more. And today, I'm just extremely excited um, to introduce our guests for today. Um, so our guests for today, we are keeping it close in the family for this episode. Uh, but um, yes, so on the other side, in addition to Finson, there's my dear friend and colleague, Cecilia Lee from Hansa, China. Good morning, guys. Hi, morning. Good, mor- good morning, Meta. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you guys? I'm doing well, thank you. I've got a cup of coffee in hand, so I'm happy. I'm good you, too. <laughs> I'm good, good. Just wake up in the morning, very relaxing. <laughs> cool. Um, so just letting all you guys know, I'm going to introduce Cecilia just a little bit more. So um, Cecilia is probably one of the pillars in, in this little team of Hansa. Um, she, she started Hansa for a few years already. She is now already co-teaching with Finson. She also is a director of the Hansa Integrated Movement Center in China. Did I miss, miss anything else, Cecilia? Do you want to add a little bit more about yourself? Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit more? Uh, if I'm going to introduce myself, I would say I'm a yoga therapist first. <laughs> okay, sorry, I missed that. <laughs> so that's basically what I'm doing. Yeah, and I'm cool. also a translator. Yeah, I translate for uh, several of his trainings as well. So people in China who knows Hansa, they know me very well. Very good, very good. And Vincent, would you like to <laughs> add anything in this introduction of, of who Cecilia is? Sure, sure. Um, well, I met Cecilia probably about five years ago when we were, when I was invited to do a teacher training and workshop at uh, a company called eYoga. So, and this is where I met Cecilia, and uh, I think from there it's developed into this now much more deeper conversation around yoga and also how we can illuminate uh, yoga and in, in terms of Hansa yoga here in China. So, and we've slowly built on this beautiful infrastructure. But what I would like to know more, Cecilia, is um, before you entered Hansa Yoga, uh, where what were you doing? What 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 was some of the things that you've experienced in the yoga uh, lifetime, if you like, uh, that you've been in? Yeah, sure. Um, I started yoga actually very early, and I knew yoga when I was in middle school. But I was just you know looking at the television, and there was a person doing yoga, and I feel that's quite interesting because it's different with any other movements. And then when I really go into a yoga class, it was about uh, 2003. So there was SARS. And obviously, that's a very uh, uncertain time. And I also experiencing certain things in my life. So I did a yoga class in a gym center. And I really feel uh, 
relaxed after that. And that was a, not just a physically relaxed a relaxation. It's more like really body-mind uh, relaxation. So I feel um, just I never had that feeling before. So um, I think that's the when the plant of the, the seed of the yoga really planted into my mind. And then I started to do, uh, do some yoga, but we don't really have many studios or in yoga classes, you can't really find a lot, even in Beijing. Um, so also, now I was still in the university, so I started to do yoga myself. That was just I, I bought lots of books, and uh, also in, we we have DVD. <laughs> so at that time, and I was watching and practicing, and just by myself. So I really enjoyed those days, and it helped me about all all those kind of uh, anxiety and uncertainty at that time because I was. Uh, I'm going to be graduated from school and I don't know where is my future. I'm not sure if I should go out to continue my study in, um, England, in England or I should stay here to look for a job. So at that time, I start to, uh, I, the only time that I feel I was just, how, how to say, really experiencing myself, you know, that kind of feeling that was when I was practicing yoga. So, and then I continued. Uh, finally, I stayed in China. I, uh, I got a job, but I never stopped practicing. I was not really like, it's like on and off because I have work to do, but I still, I kind of uh, keep practicing. Um, at the beginning, I was more, it's more like Hatha yoga, but we, really, uh, we didn't really have a style here. So there was no flow, no Ashtanga, no hot yoga and nothing, no Ayanga. It was just yoga. And then uh, one day, there's just this advertisement with hot yoga starts to be really, really popular. And then also like a flow, that kind of idea come into our world. And I start to experience all those kind of uh, practice. I also did some Ashtanga. And so I, because I uh, like to experience different things, I want to know what's the difference between those styles. And finally, I found out that I am more like a flow person. So I start to concentrate on flow. And also I start to teach flow. So before I met you um, for therapy, then I was just teaching and practicing flow yoga. It's more like, um, you know, just the, the flow with the vinyasa style. And you can create your own sequence. I like that part too. So you can be creative and really do what, because you will set up a topic or a theme, and then you can just explore and try to um, present what you believe or what you want to uh, present. So that was my experience before I met you. But I always had that kind of a question or conflicts. I see those conflicts on my mind. I see what I keep my cueing to the students, what I said, that they couldn't really do it like keep your pelvis hard um, even in in very one or in the lunge position or um, some kind of the other cueing that we generally say. So I was, I, I had that kind of a, um, what's the word? Just feel it's not that 100% right, but I don't know what is wrong there. And I was, I was always have those question marks on my mind and um, I, I was thinking if I what I'm saying to the students that I can't do it myself because I can't keep my pelvis even 
when I'm in、uh, very one. So if I can't do that, how I why I'm asking my students to do that? And in the very two position, that's a very difficult position for me, because、uh, my you know hip ad-、uh, abduction is not that good. So. <laughs> Not like <laughs> you can really reach one 180 percent、uh, in the angle, and how? Why we want people to do that? So I have al- always have those questions on my mind until I met Vincent, <laughs> met a, <laughs> in、yeah. that workshop, and he, he really pointed out you can't actually, and then I felt oh my god, that's what I need, and that's what I've been looking for. I just I was、um, I I knew something wrong there, but I wasn't. Brave enough to point out or really say it, you know. So then I, I, and also I experienced myself with my because I had a cesarean and had a little girl, and because of that, I felt I couldn't really figure out what is mula banda. And this idea is currently、um, very vague to me because it's just a word. But what's that mean? What's that mean behind the word of mula banda? You know, is it because nobody really explained that to me, and I feel that I can't really control myself.、Um, I mean, in terms of the stability of around the pelvis, or really connected to my core, and what is core strength? So I try to, because I tried very hard when I was practicing. I was almost spending five or six hours per day in the studio, but still I、wow. couldn't figure out why. Yes, I was very enthusiastic, <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, you know what? Just just a brace breathing technique, and I didn't even know the name at that time. That Vincent taught in the workshop. It just make me feel, oh my god! I really, really, I really understand through my body. You know, I really know what that name mula of mula banda, how to connect your pelvic floor, how to really connect your lower part of the body, especially the the lower belly. You know, as because I had cesarean there, I. Tend to、um, negate that part,、mm-hmm. then I feel oh, it's it's more coming internal, and that feeling is really subtle, and just with the breath technique, breathing, you, you just you just breathe out, and then somehow you can feel that part. It's like I miss. It's like a friend that you never you have lost connection for a long time. And you you met that person again on street, you know. It's really exciting. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. still remember when I was in、uh, enter the university. I lost contact with my best friend, and we, because we didn't have cell phone at that time. And then one day, my mom、uh, sent me a、um, uh, called me and gave me her phone number, so we could call each other. And we were crying out in that phone call, you know, that feeling. So it's really exactly like that. So、I was so excited, and then I also, if I was thinking, if that person can just using a breathing technique and make me feel so connected to my body, oh my god, this person, awesome, <laughs> amazing! <laughs> so I have to follow him. So that was really my decision at that time, and what what I I really felt at that time. You know, I was really excited. I th- I'm sure that Vincent still remember that. I was like, I think my eyes turned、yeah. really big. Yeah. So yeah, that was yeah, yeah. the story, and then I started to re-、um, become part of Hansa Yoga. I started to assist, and then I also teach、uh, Hansa Yoga. That was my story. <laughs> Long story. 
That's perfect. Um, yeah, I have a, an, another. It's more historical, really, in terms of um, my question. How long has yoga been, um, you know, up and running in China or commercially orientated in China? How, how long? Because my experience is that mm -hmm. it hasn't been very long that's been established in China. And if, if mm -hmm. I can piggyback on that question a little bit, because it's sort of related, but I'm also quite curious on what's the growth of the yoga industry in this uh, short period that yoga has been in China. I'm quite curious to listen about that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I because I never done the, you know, like marketing, marketing research around those numbers, but I, my experience, because I, I think I started not too late. I'm kind of like the... Um, first group or first group of people who start to do yoga or even if not first at least the second you know so <laughs> I think it starts uh, about the 1980s but that's not very it wasn't popular uh, only I think only like Beijing Shanghai or, or some of the the big cities may start to have yoga but not in the small cities um, but it became really, really popular in, I think, about the 2000, around that time. And especially for 2005, because we start to have more and more styles. And because of the variety of yoga style, and people, it's like more people can experience or really find out what they like, what suits more about their personality, what they're you know, interested So... I think it's an explosion of hands, uh, of yoga uh, recent years. Just uh, not many, not long. Not because I, I feel even the teaching is a little bit left behind um, here for a long time. So when you say explosion, for uh, is it is in the last five years that the growth of yoga has been quite large? Uh, I think yes, maybe even last uh, eight to ten years, recent mm. ten years, because also because of the economy of China has been developed really fast, and we have more communication to the other countries now. So people going out and they see what's happening or what's popular in other countries, so they bring things back to China too. So yeah, I think maybe recent ten years. So what's popular yeah. over there? Uh, um, are there certain styles that are more popular than the others? Uh, it has been changing. And uh, very interesting, the most interesting part of the China market is that different cities have different um, popular styles. <laughs> so like mm. uh, Beijing is more uh, multiple styles and every, it's like every style can exist and they can have a group of people following this style. And people here are more, uh, what's the word, maybe more open. They would like to try different, the different styles, different classes, different teachers even. Um, but some of the uh, cities, they may, they may have only one style very popular and it's like a predominant in the market. And people may just uh, go to those kind of classes. Uh, it's, it really depends. Give, give, give us yeah. an example. Um, I think like because um, Beijing we have it also depends on different studios like for one studio they may uh, maybe like flow become more popular I think flow is more um, popular here because it's like not really um, have that strict 
like what's the how to say like you don't need to follow any certain kind of a uh, um, rules or or principles that you, you when you I mean not practicing you know when you, uh, like you have to like Ashtanga you have to get up early to practice they encourage you to do the uh, Mysore every morning and they just you know uh, have a rest when there's half moon uh, uh, full moon right mm-hmm. so uh, but the flow is more like um, more casual way if you want to do the flow and they also have layers so more people can join flow but for some beginners they still uh, stay with hatha and ayanga is another one that uh, for some of the people they may in they may have injury before and they may go ayanga yoga they think that's more uh, suitable to their capacity of their uh, uh, body or physical state so mm. It really depends. It's really hard to say. But I noticed that because I've been going to Shanghai to do some training recent years, I noticed that Shanghai has more stronger practice than Beijing. And mm. before I uh, start to do trainings there, I I also heard from some other teachers that if we see the practice, you know, if we judge the uh, advanced judge yoga practice from the advanced postures then Shanghai is more advanced than China, than, than Beijing. Um, they are more, uh, I think, more um, active. And uh, Beijing, and I think Beijing people in Beijing, they are also very interested in philosophy and some of the background information of yoga. And okay. meditation is also popular too. So, so I, I have a question leading mm-hmm. to that comment. So how, because China is steeped with, you know, very ancient movement practices like Tai Chi and internal arts and Qigong and so forth. Yeah. How does that, how does that get in, infiltrated into the practice of like yoga that is more, you know, coming from the subcontinent of, of India and so forth? And how does these two worlds merge Um so, because you mentioned how you know Beijingers are, are more interested in philosophical relationships to the practice, and Shanghai has more commercial-based um, physical practices that are more aligned with uh, possible uh, Western orientations of yoga. Mm-hmm, but how yeah. how does these two two worlds come together? This deep philosophical, um, you know, very uh, you know historical uh, thinking in Chinese in Chinese philosophy, and then at the same time the practice of yoga that now is much more commercialized. Uh, that's a very good question, and um, also very hard for me to answer. And because I, I don't think I can give a very object uh, objective. Try. Try, try, try. <laughs> point of view, because I, I think that one person's uh, will will be limited by the experience, because I never practiced like Tai Chi or, or Qigong or really, you know, um, dive deeper into the background information of those things. And what I start, because when I start to uh, really see, uh, um, well, from my perspective, my personal experience that I... I was introduced by uh, to yoga because it's becoming commercial. Now, Tai Chi never is commercial. Tai Chi is more. Um, it's not really. It's it's related. It's, or it's, it's very close it's, it's, in our life, but it's not. 
the same time. Is it, because, so, is it because is it because it's too close? It's too part of the the culture and the heritage that um, um, it's, it's, I think it's so it's so embedded in in one's reality. And it doesn't have to be qigong or tai chi, but just the whole mm-hmm. philosophical background and the historical yeah. relationships. Yes, I think that's part of the reason because people tend to be interested into the things that they don't know or something new, and they really, you know, have interest. It's because we grow up with this kind of environment. We know Tai Chi, you know, since we were young, and all the old people doing that in the park, and make make us having a, a feeling that those are just for the old people. It, like my mom, so, she would do that in your in the park, and she would just do with a teacher. So, so yeah. there's two worlds. There's two worlds in China. Then there's the old China and the new China. Really, one that's um, still steeped in tradition and still influenced by by the the history of of this deep learning and philosophy. And then there's this new China, which is the upcoming commercial, much more in driven towards the progression. Um, yes, I quite like your. Uh, yes, I quite like this statement because I think because of the uh, development of China, um, the old generations like my parents and they come from those old days and they still have that uh, pass on uh, culture and those uh, experience when they were especially when my mom always mentioned when she was young da 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 and but me like a. Me and the next generations, we coming from the uh, we born when China has already um, start to develop the the economy and we start to open the door to uh, the world and we start to see lots of things, um, see what's happening in uh, in the world and we have really mm. different attitude with the older generation and mm. we are now more. Uh, towards the like become uh, worldwide um, how, or, or how to say it's more like we, we want to be uh, the mm-hmm. same we want to have the uh, same standard uh, with other countries too and no matter it's like on, on, on all aspects not only mm-hmm. economic or cultural everything that I want to be aligned with the world with other countries but my parents, they still are kind of they, like they, they are they don't want to um, like like children, you know, they pulling and their parents, they don't want uh, to go. That I, kind of feeling, I, I, they, they can't let go of the old style. You know, I think this of, is this is I think this is in all cultures. I mean, Meta, would you agree as well around that? Yeah, yeah I think in all <laughs> cultures. But I, do, I really want to quickly turn the, the conversation to you real quick, Vincent, because Cecilia has shared from her point of view how the culture is. And um, coming back to the question that you asked, how is this philosophies of China that is so embedded in, in, in their lifestyles, how do you see that relate to yoga from your perspective? Because you've been going to China a lot. You've been teaching a lot of people in China. Do you see a difference that is influenced by this tradition and philosophy? I, I think in behavior I do, and in terms, you know, in the trainings of of watching people move, um, there is a, a greater appreciation of of fluidity and more important of certain concepts that um, 
but the practice does take time and it's and it is relative to attitude too as and we've spoken about you know how the approach to hansa is very orientated around one's psychology and one's attitude towards our reality and i see this more within the students and then at the same time there is there is this fascination i think around metaphor as well mm-hmm. um and i think metaphor is a lovely way of describing philosophical relationships that are very very hard to sometimes comprehend but metaphor goes a long way in in enable enabling it to kind of link more into one's one's uh, psyche and 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 being able to embody that as well and so i i see i see the merging i do like the merging of you know ancient chinese thought and then this contemporary model of mind body relationships and and i don't see that much of a separation I, i see the language slightly different but in terms of the understanding i i i, I there is definitely a um a very deep cohesiveness towards it and in uh, in terms of the students i think the students do get it um and because they come with it and not that they know but they do come with it but at the same time it's camouflaged a lot also by this new progressive approach that yoga sits in which is very commercially orientated and and here is a is a question that i have for cecilia as well is that my experience there seems to be um it's probably not a very good description of it but there seems to be this competition between traditional yoga that um it has made also a very good strong foothold in in China and then this westernized commercial model of yoga which is also very popular and something that a lot of studios align with and there seems to be this dichotomy between this traditional approach and this kind of more western commercial approach and if, and 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 they seem to be able to gel or connect because they they're talking two different languages or have two different agendas mm-hmm. do you, do do you see that in 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 your uh, observations yes yes i agree so that's why i said um this, it's like some people they following one style they would just continue with this style and cuz it's really uh for i think for beginners it's really hard to define which one is good or which one is more suitable and they they feel what's the word confused when they you know are when they are experiencing different styles because they are really different and like traditional yoga is more um for for some of the people especially um for some young people they think that's just too gentle too soft not really enough active they they come to yoga just because they want to um lose weight uh, keep fit mm-hmm. or they don't want they want to be um like look good or showing people what is a kind of a lifestyle because be, i think because we know yoga from the beginning in china we know yoga because of the uh, commercialization of yoga and we see it from the magazines and the advertisement and it brings the image of at the beginning like women do women do yoga but men no, don't or mm-hmm. um yoga keep you fit yoga can keep you young and they still uh, 
uh, advertising that they're still promoting in that way. And then now, like famous stars, they start to do yoga and they become really popular. And because they can do handstand, handstand, and then they be, they had lots of fans. Really, mm. oh, that's awesome! Look at that person, and she can do this. Even I like that uh, one star here. I I can't really remember how many like uh, movies or anything that he he she act uh, acted or you know. But I can only remember she was very popular because of she was doing some posture on Weibo. So. Mm. So then it also um, encouraged people. Oh, look, those stars, they are doing yoga. So yoga become a, a standard or um, what's the word? Um, it's like showing a, a lifestyle that's more healthy. That's more rich people doing yoga. And <laughs> so all those kind of um, image or stereotype, stereotype for yoga. So... Mm. The, uh, I think traditional yoga, uh, first, some people, they come to yoga, um, when they first enter yoga, they experience some traditional yoga. They really had really, uh, they really had deep feelings or really good feelings of yoga, um, how yoga can connect your body and mind. It's more about uh, psychology and more about the energy and more internal. And some people, they really into that. And they don't very, they're not very active anyway. So they will, they don't like to be like doing the strong practice. And they will do the traditional yoga and they, they are experiencing those um, internal feelings. And for, but for most people, they will come to yoga because of the, the advertisement or um, even just the friends around them. And they see the, their friends changing like superficially. That will be the mm. entering of yoga for most people. So, yeah, that's what I see. And those mm. two words are really um, can can be like two different groups. They don't really connect yeah. or communicate, or you know, even even yeah. not even not um, even not traditional or or uh, commercial. I mean, even most the commercial commercialized styles. Mm, if you, if a person if some some of some of the people they follow in one style and they don't like to go the other style and they they see each other not good enough <laughs> like you know yeah there's a there's a level of competition meta do, yeah. do, do would you do you see in in Indonesia almost the same rhythm or pattern emerging where there is this commercialization of yoga in such a way that uh, there is a superficial um, agenda and orientation that is directing people's attention like Cecilia has mentioned you know health lifestyles you know losing weight and what have you and she's also uh, suggested that the value of the practice is upon you know one's physical skill is this true also for Indonesia or is it slightly different in, in that community I think it's true everywhere I think with um, with the world since the rise of social media, I think it definitely had um, pushed this sort of shift of how we view yoga to become a certain lifestyle that people try to to attain because most that are posted are challenging poses and people who 
look good. So I think that really shaped people's idea on what yoga is today, which is to try to get fit and then try to be able to do crazy stunts and then to be slim. Um, and I see it the same way here, but I mean, obviously not all, but generally people want to do yoga because they want to be flexible, they want to be fit, and they just want exercises. A lot of people here um, in Indonesia uh, still want to do yoga just so that they can get some sweat in, so they can exercise. So that's still mm. one of the common reasons why people do yoga. Um, but, I mean, I also see progression um, here, just from the people that I know, Everybody start from the physical aspect of it. I mean, it's, it's like the the kosha model of yoga itself. People start from the physical, but eventually, as they do it regularly, then they started really seeing all the different aspects that yoga brings to their life. And they start really reflect on it a lot more, and they start realizing the effect it has on their mental health and emotional health. And that's normally their progression that they journey to understand more of yoga from even just an energetic level and then eventually they move on to more subtle practices so i see that progress as well but i i do agree that as beginners people tend to gravitate towards yoga for this lifestyle aspect of it mm -hmm. i think that's how i see it and i'm guessing mm -hmm. it's the same around the world i mean what do you think yeah it, it, yeah no i i do i i <laughs> what do i see yeah um <laughs> Brown beer, brown beer. What do I see? Um, <laughs> so, so uh, but I do agree. There is, there is this um, initial, uh, I suppose, based upon certain models of commercialization and a requirement for studios to survive and teachers to to earn a living from this. That it is orientated towards these very basic agendas that most people are concerned about that sits on a very superficial level, weight loss, health, so forth. And, and this really is driven by the commercial model. But as you mentioned, and I think also as I've been observing here in China, that over a period of time, the practitioner will get to a certain phase in their um, practice or journey in their practice of yoga where they want something a little bit more, something that touches them more deeply. Um, it doesn't sort of, again, initially there's a certain satisfaction with the practice, but then at a certain point we become dissatisfied because it doesn't touch us on a, on a much deeper level. Um, and so and this is where we start to inquire into more of what the practice is all about. And then we start seeking teachers, we start seeking uh, styles, if you like, and that gives more depth, more layering to to the practice itself, and that and this is a global global phenomenon, I think. And one of the things that I think starts to arise more and more is that people orientate themselves more to the therapeutic nature of the practice. Um, and I think this is where Hansa in itself um, stands um, by itself, where we our initial and always primary position is how to support people on an individual basis. And it doesn't matter what culture you come from, I think it's a universal practice. I think it does it does support us. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter what journey that we're on. Yeah. Uh, Vincent, you, you, you uh, mentioned that everybody will 
be like they will feel at a certain phase of their practice they will feel that there's not enough, and there will be more behind the practice or physical experience of,、uh, of the practice. And this just also you mentioned is more people tend to、uh, grab to the therapy therapeutic side of.、Uh, Aspect of yoga, and this just reminds me of the、uh, one comment of our student the other day, because she has been practicing Ashtanga and she's still a Ashtangi, and we were sharing our experience you know, of practicing, and because、uh, I tried Ayanga, I tried different styles, and she was the same. But now she come to Ashtanga and she was following a teacher, and she said what、uh, she is. Practicing in Ashtanga, actually, she can really relate it to what she learns from our training, and those、mm. subtle experience what you were introducing in the biomechanics of the body, and she can really apply into her practice. So I、mm. see、uh, how Hansa can support all kinds of a practice, because what Hansa is talking about is the universal principles of your body and your experience of.、Uh, Of your body, I I I think it's very fundamental, and it can be applied to all kinds of movement or all kinds of physical practice. Because I also taught、uh, fundamental training and to those gym coaches, and they they're not doing yoga, they're not even yoga practitioners, but they also notice that how this kind of idea, what we are introducing in Hansa, can apply to his training. And he feels that his body build,、uh, muscle building become more efficient, and his movement become efficient. And he can, because he was,、uh, he was preparing for a competition, and he feels that his training become so,、uh, his workout become more efficient, and that's more functional as well. So I, that's also the reason.、Um, I think therapy is not just about. Like healing, or when you have problems, it's the best therapy is to avoid problems to happen, or or try to、um, how to say utilize every aspect of you, and then support you、uh, in and out, and try to negate some of the problems that's unnecessary. So、mm. I think that's the deep、um, root of therapy. It's, it's in China we say. Uh, the best doctor doctor heals before the illness、uh, the illness comes. So、mm-hmm. it's a, a little bit like that. So we、uh, that's what yoga does, and that I think that's the true nature of yoga. It's therapy. It's therapeutic. So、um, yeah, I, I think some people,、uh, some of the some people, some practitioners, they they believe that when you have injury, you have to face what's happening to your body, and then you start to learn how to、uh, do the movement, how to use your body, how to communicate with your body. But I think it actually can be applied before the injury comes.、Um, I think that's an、yeah. idea, a shift of attitude. How do you really? Use your body because we only have this one body. You can't change. And what's the attitude? Should you should we force our body to do something that then we learn? Is that really the only way? Or we can learn before we hurt ourselves? So、mm. yeah, just brings yeah. me of this kind of a yeah idea. How is the interest? I'm sorry, I'm taking writing on what you said and what Vincent said before. So, 
are people in China now are more interested in more therapeutic practices or even just therapy itself? Is there a rise in, in, in this as well, in addition to the rise of commercialization of yoga as well? I think um, uh, lots of people, they start to, uh, if they are practicing for a period of time, they start to see the therapeutic aspect of uh, yoga and uh, the influence, how it can really um, change you in your life. Um, then those people start to, uh, more gravity to uh, therapy, um, but like for for some of the other practitioners, they may have injury and they can't do what they used to do before. Mm-hmm. And then also they try to solve their problems, so they will come to therapy. Um, yeah, and some of the other another layer is that people just have some because everybody will have some here and that you know discomforts on on their body, and they try to. Um, use different ways because we have like a massage, uh, Chinese massage and the Chinese um, like acupuncture and moxibuncture, like all those kind of uh, techniques, traditional techniques. And people go to different um, therapy style to to just try to alleviate the stress of their body in life, in work. And those people, they, when they come to yoga, if they see that yoga can really help them from in and out, they will more uh, continue with this therapeutic practice of yoga. Mm, yeah, that's what I see. I think this is really interesting. And I think this is um, related to your philosophy as well, because not just in traditional Chinese medicine or Chinese philosophy, but also in Ayurveda, for example, there's this ancient philosophy beliefs in, in really taking care of your body, maintaining it so that illness doesn't come. So, so these ideas of you coming back to the body and this coming back to the natural function, how to maintain the body, is essential in, in um, maintaining health as an overall idea. Um, so therefore, therapy can be seen as, as these more of a long-term practice but I feel that I see in a lot of cases here, and not just Indonesian, but a lot of people that I encounter as well, they still see therapy as like a fix. So that's more of a, a Western concept of medicine, I think. So if you get headache, you take pills and it, it, it cures you. So this, this other perspective of seeing therapy as a quick fix is still quite prevalent. It's quite common in the people that I see. And, and I'm now wondering whether this difference in perspective, uh, a lot of it contributed as well to cultures, to philosophies. Yeah, I don't know, just some thoughts. Um, mm. I, I just want to weigh in on that idea, and I, and I think you're, you're right. There is, there is this, again, you know, attitude that comes with therapeutics. Um, and if you bring the attitude from the commercial model into therapeutics, you are looking for those quick fixes. You are realize you are wanting something that doesn't allow you to commit to the situation or to the body um, that you have, and what you're wanting again is something superficial to support your health and longevity, rather than taking that necessary step and commitment for yeah. yourself. And I think this is across all cultures, mm. um, and I think this is to, this the commercial uh, element of it is to, is to blame here and also the, uh, the excessive amount of choice that we have as well I think in society could be considered as, as an element of blame too 
where we're smorgasbording our, our process, where we're jumping from one style to another style. We're trying to look for answers in one. If we don't get answers in one, we go to another. And so there's this continuous bouncing around rather than actually sitting still um, and, and, and through that stillness and stability, uh, it will be revealed to you in time what is required to support yourself. And, but people don't seem to have the patience anymore because there is that, again, level of, of expectation that if I go to a therapy teacher or a therapy session, give me an exercise to make, make this better. And that's not necessarily the case because it's in how you do it rather than what you do is, is the key to, to health and longevity and the restoration of function. So I think the therapy can fall in the same, in the same um, paradigm as what we've just been talking about of commercial yoga or how commercial yoga in some ways orientating people's attention to superficial um, agendas. And so therapy can, can do that as well. And, and what I like is the idea of the integrative model where it's not just about the muscles, about also the way we approach our body from, a, from a, an expectation perspective, also that the way that we perceive ourselves, our attitudes around some of the things that we are doing, some of our opinions and beliefs. This, these are all really important components. And this requires... I think just a little bit more time to consider and, and spend time with. Um, so th there, there is this education that needs to happen, I think, in, in, in yoga, and, and it doesn't matter which community you sit in, um, I think the education is essential uh, and, and to take people deeper. Yes, yes, I agree. It just reminds me of Chinese medicine or um, the Chinese massage and acupuncture because we went to those very uh, frequently. Most people, when they are when they start to have those body issues, they turn to find a Chinese medicine doctor and mm -hmm. they may do some acupuncture as well, massage. And what we are, well, because before, before I really start to follow Vincent, start to learn Hansa, I never... Uh, I also never had this kind of a idea on my mind. I just believe that when I go to a massage and I got relaxed after afterwards, and when I have some problem, I will take Chinese medicine. And it's long term, you have the Chinese medicine for a while. But I never uh, really related all those aspects, all those things that I want to heal myself or to uh, to my life, what I need to do. Um, what I need to take, the, the responsibility that I need to take. And I think most people are also experiencing the same because um, we believe that something else and the, the, the person, the doctor, the massager, that they can heal us and we don't need to do anything. We just uh, lie on the massage bed and then you're healed. But my mom used to go to the massage very often but her lower back never really healed mm. and she she's a, she doesn't want to uh, what's the word doesn't want to really consider why she's having that I think people try to avoid to see what they're doing not so good they don't want to accept that they need to 
they need to improve or really start to consider and really face the problem. And then people try to avoid the problems and they try to let others to take responsibilities. That's part of the maybe human nature. So it's very important to let people understand they need to take responsibility. Even you want to lose weight, you need to really watch your diet. You really need to do some exercise. You know, you really need to consider what you eat, what you do. All those things you can't rely um, rely on your coach to train you, and then somehow you become another person. So uh, I think this kind of message needs to be, needs to be passed to everybody. And um, once people start to really take responsibilities for themselves, things can be much easier. The therapy can be much quicker, and I can see that from my clients too. Yep, yep, absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I think that's has been great conversation. Um, we're coming to to wrapping this conversation. Uh, Vincent, do you have any last few words to say or ask, or Cecilia too? No, I just I like to say thank you very much, Cecilia, for uh, coming on to the podcast. I know it it was a, a very uh, quick decision that was made for you to be on here, so did very well. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, and to those. People who are listening, I would like to, um, if you're not in China, I would like to invite you to China. I really want people to come to China, really experience what's happening here. I don't want people to um, just know from the newspaper or internet. I want you to come to China, really live here for a while to see China. And it's lots of things happening, lots of things changing, but China is still a very good place to be and even just experience it in your life thank you yeah. Cecilia. it's so lovely to have you in this conversation cecilia it's thank nice. you Meta. i think after a while vincent and i we just get tired of each other's voices i think <laughs> right <Vincent. laughs> that's right that's right that's right um but yes please people visit china i've been there it's beautiful and i i just cannot wait till we all can travel again yeah <laughs> i cannot yeah. Wait. Well, thank you, Vincent, very much. Thank you, Cecilia, very much. Thank you, Maita. Thank you, Vincent, for inviting me here. And I really love to join this kind of conversation and really want to uh, introduce China to more people out there. So thank you, Maita, for organizing this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Cool. Thanks, everybody, again, for listening um, from wherever you are. We'll be back with more exciting conversations, different guests in this second season of the Hansa Conversation. You've been listening to Hansa Conversations, a podcast. Please follow Hansa Yoga on Instagram and Facebook. Learn more about Hansa at hansa.yoga on the web, where you can also purchase online practice videos to practice at home. Don't forget to sign up to our mailing list to get updates on our latest news. So join us on the next Hansa Conversations and thank you for listening.